from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 America. We are here on this wonderful day with you all from around the country, bringing to the U.S. and the world American Awakening Signs of Life. So good to be with you all. Today, we have a great show with wonderful music from around the country, once again, courtesy of Dan Hazeltine. But first, we're going to start with our worship leader, Josh Jacob. What are you leading us with in worship today, Josh? There is not a man or a beast, nothing on land or underneath, nothing that could ever come between the love you have for me. I can lay my head in Sheol I can make my bed at the bottom of the darkness deep Oh, but there is not a place could escape you Ooh, your heart won't stop coming after me Your heart won't stop coming after me your heart won't stop coming after, after me. There is not an angel of the stars. There is not a devil in the dark. Oh, nothing that could change the way you are, the love you have for me. I can lay my head shield. I can make my bed in the bottom of darkness deep oh but there is not a place I could escape you Ooh, your heart won't stop coming after me your heart won't stop coming after me your heart won't stop coming after, after me. Oh, 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 oh. I can lay my head. She oh, I can make my bed at the bottom of the darkness deep, but there is not a place could escape you. Oh, I can lay my head in she oh, I can make my bed at the bottom of the darkness deep, but there is not a place I could escape you. Your heart won't stop coming after me. Your heart won't stop coming after me. Your heart won't stop coming after, after me. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I Precious 
trust him more. Josh, thank you. A lot of territory to cover today. So first, we're going to bring you The Daily Dose with Pastor Joel Searby. All right. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you today. And today I want to talk about a rooster. That may seem a little strange, but I was reading in John's account, the book of John in the Bible. Uh, I was reading John's account of the story of Peter, who was one of his closest friends, Jesus' closest friends, and uh, how Peter told Jesus, he said, before Jesus was going to die, he said, Jesus, I would die for you. And Jesus replies, would you, John? All right, would you, Peter? Would you really die for me? And then he tells him that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then over the course of uh, the next little bit, day or so, Peter indeed denies that he knows Jesus three times. And after the third time, it says in John that the rooster crowed immediately. And as I think about that rooster crowing, I think about the sorrow and the pain and the guilt that Peter must have felt when he realized that he had indeed betrayed and denied Jesus. But just a little bit later, after Jesus dies and then is raised from the dead, he appears to the disciples. He appears to Peter on the fishing boat. Peter jumps in the water and swims in, runs into Jesus. He restores him through some conversation. And Peter's life is redeemed in that sense, in the ultimate sense, but also in the sense that he's restored to life with Jesus. And here's where I think the rooster thought comes in. It's not just that there are times when we make mistakes, but there are times uh, when those mistakes live with us for a long time. And can you imagine, I bet for the rest of his life, Peter, whenever he heard a rooster crow, had a certain response, right? Certain emotion. And maybe you have things in your life that every time you hear them, see them, taste them, smell them, you have a certain kind of negative, painful response. But just like Peter, I want to encourage you that Jesus has restored you and is restoring you and will restore you so that the crow of the rooster no longer is just one of pain, although that may not go away entirely and reminds us of the scars and keeps us humble. But we should be able to move past that and remember that the story did not end with the denial and the rooster because Jesus restored Peter, reinstates him. And it's just a really beautiful story. So if there's something in your life that's like that rooster that reminds you of your failures, of your pain, of your sorrow, let Jesus redeem that, reinstate you, and change the way you respond to some of those things that may be dragging you down. I hope that's encouraging to you. John, that's your daily dose. Back to you. Really appreciate that, Joel. All right, uh, Jeff Fethke in Hawaii, something to chew on for real. Something to chew on for today is about micro or small habits. And I think it actually goes in line with what the kind of the, almost a part two of what Joel was saying of so many times, a lot of us, we want to change, right? So many of us, we want to change things in our life. We want to change things the, the way they look in our life. And a lot of us, without realizing it, we look to really big events in our future to help us with that, right? Or maybe this one big day or this one big event or this one kind of crossroads I'll get to, maybe I'll change. But if you look at yourself today and you're honest, almost all of us would, would admit that the person we are, our character, kind of how we treat people, maybe how we work out, how we eat, all of that stuff really is like a autopilot mundane thing we do because of what we've done the last five years every single day. Meaning we're kind of just formed by our daily ritualistic micro habits and that's actually the person you become. Another way to put it is you are your micro habits. It's just who you become. 
And that should be actually encouraging to you, not discouraging, because then what you realize is to change is to just put one foot in front of the other every single day towards the direction you wanna go and it'll have profound compound kind of interest effect. James Clear has some great stuff on this. Atomic Habits is a phenomenal book, but he even does this little um, like math equation where you know if you just try to get 1% better every single day, you know, starting at the number one, you know, to the 365th power, if you do it every day for a year, you end up being almost 37 times, you know, growth and all these different types of things. But then if you do that in the opposite, you go almost down to zero. You almost, like if you're getting 1% worse every day, then it almost goes down to zero. And he just kind of talks about that, man, all it takes is 1% either direction. You don't need to be double as good as you are today. You don't need to be half as good. Just 1%, right? That means like if you want to get better at how you align your shoes by the door, that means you just choop, just barely turn one. That's 1% better, right? You want to get better at how clean, clean your house is? Take one pillow off the ground, put it on the couch. <laughs> That's it. You're done. You do that every single day and it changes you and you become to become a different type of person. And I think everything I just said to end on is highly applicable with spiritual formation. If you want to lean into more of a relationship with Jesus and you want to find that intimacy, that life, you want to be a person of virtue, a person of character, just lean into those things 1% more each and every single day and you will change and you will look back a year from now and you'll be drastically different. So that's something to chew on for you guys today. That is fantastic. You got the day you're in. Do what you can do today to be a little bit better and, and accept God's grace, love your neighbor a little bit more. And, and that 1% factor, you're exactly right, is huge. And we get overwhelmed, we get completely overwhelmed by thinking, oh, I got to do it a whole lot better. And that just sinks us into the mire. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're you know, kind of in the sofa just binge watching something or other because we can't keep up with our own expectations. So thanks so much, Jeff. I really appreciate that. Um, but Calvin, you look wonderful. So what do you have in the wow, so that's happening category? Yeah, fresh haircut. Hope we bring a little fresh fire today. What we got, we got some headlines. So first off, Alabama, North Dakota, South Carolina. These are the first U.S. states that are committing to using Apple and Google's contact tracing tech. So the company's released software on Wednesday that allows public health agencies around the world to build their own apps to track COVID-19 exposure using Bluetooth signals. So 22 other countries, including Ireland, Germany, Italy, and the Netherlands, have also signed on to utilizing the software. So Governor Doug Burgum said in a statement, and I quote, North Dakota is excited to be among the first states in the nation to utilize the technology to help keep our citizens safe. As we respond to this unprecedented public health emergency, we invite other states to join us in leveraging smartphone technologies to strengthen contact tracing efforts, which are critical to getting communities and economies back up and running. Also, Facebook and Instagram. They rolled out a tool enabling businesses suffering from COVID-19 to create what they're calling Facebook shops. So a business can create a virtual mall essentially for free by uploading its catalog, selecting products, and customizing the shop with a cover image and accent colors. For users, this means that you'll be able to browse and buy products within those apps instead of being redirected to a third-party store. And lastly, restaurants around the country have found a way to reopen at full capacity with outdoor dining. 
cities from Tampa to Vegas to Portland, Maine, um, are opening sidewalks and closing streets to create a large alfresco air dining room. Proposals are being submitted around the country to allow restaurants to spread out to sidewalks, parking lots, and even into the street, as long as they adhere to the safety and sanitation guidelines. Some cities are already expediting permits and waiving fees to quickly help restaurants through what is often a cumbersome and costly process. So there you have it. And in the immortal words of our brother, LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. Now I'm going to pass it over to our sister, Marissa, to introduce our discussion topic of the day. Calvin, you know what? You had me at LL. I I love it. Although I think we're going to call it a comeback today. I mean, everybody loves a comeback story. Who doesn't love a comeback story? And as a global community, uh, we're all just kind of coming together and starting to write ours right now. I found a blog post this morning that I thought was really interesting. Um, It's called Five Elements of a Successful Comeback Strategy. Um, again, they had me at, at five elements. I, I, I love a number. I can, you know, count on one hand. Anyway, it was written specifically about working out, but the principles are so good that I think they're really applicable to a lot of different kinds of situations, um, including the one that we find ourselves in now with Corona. So quickly, the five elements are one, examine your why. In our case now, uh, you know, why do you want to get to the other side of this pandemic? You know, we have all got different reasons. You want to see your kids grow up. You want to live a life you enjoy. You want to help people, um, you know, live better lives, whatever it is. We've all got our reasons, big or small. Uh, Everyone's got a why. Second one, set smart goals. Um, You know, do you want to eat better? Because you want to live to see your kids grow up. Um, you want to take that trip you've always dreamed about because you want to enjoy your life, whatever it is. As soon as you set a goal, then you can start to figure out how to get there. So set a goal. Third, consider your options. You can exercise at a gym or you can do it at your house. You can go visit someplace new, you know, by plane, train, automobile, or shoot, right now you can go online um, if you don't want to set foot out of your house. You can go visit someplace else. There's always more than one way to skin a cat. So, you know, think about your options. Fourth way, create accountability. Now, we've all needed help to get to where we wanted to go at different points in our lives. We probably need a little help now in whatever area uh, that we'd like to improve in. Um, So, you know, really good people want to help people, you know, achieve their goals. So think about it. Who in your life can you help to ask you to achieve your goal? And the last one, make a future plan. Right, like stuff happens. Life occurs to all of us and nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to. Um, So sometimes when you think ahead, you can uh, try to cut off some things or figure out how you might react um, to things not going the way you planned. So those were those five elements. I think they're helpful. You guys see in the bottom, you can go check it out, the list for yourself. But yeah, a comeback. Um, I was thinking about that this morning and I wanted to ask you guys, you know, as we're all gearing up for this next season and uh, hopefully getting ready to think about our own comebacks, what is a comeback story that has really inspired each of you? And even better than that, somebody else's comeback story, if you've had one um, that has, you know, transformed your life or, you know, you remember where you were and now you're not there, you're in a vastly different place. Tell us about your comeback story. What's what's happened with you and what did you learn from it? And maybe what can you pass on? Guys, where are you at? Well, I love the topic. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 what we what we keep saying over and over again, um, because it is just true. Just keep showing up. Stand up. Think about what the, the next thing you could do the next minute, five minutes. 
hour, 12 hours, 24 hours. And if you keep doing that, you know, in bad seasons or in good seasons, um, either way, then you're you're coming back off of whatever level you're you're at. I mean, come back implies that you're at a, at a low spot, right? I mean, there's there's the all right, you're beat up, you're down, you're low, and and you know, as a broader community, you know, arguably we are now, uh, but it's all it's all an issue of what what's your baseline? What's your baseline you're working off of? And, and it's either a comeback or it's a come up further or whatever it is. And it's still got it's got the same principles, the exact same principles. You just have to show up and do what you can do. But it only starts in the next five minutes. That's all you got. It's true. It's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna go sports because anytime I hear comeback, I think of sports. Um, given the the last dance, I will say MJ's comeback is not one of the greats. Uh, he never should have come back. Uh, anybody want to disagree with me on that? He should have just let it. He should have hung it up. Um, no, but I think about I think about football games. Uh, I'm I'm in the South. SEC football is huge, and in college football in particular, I've noticed that, um, and, and I should say NFL too. The the football comeback is really an interesting thing because it's like it's this principle in action, which is you've got to just start making plays, right? And you don't necessarily have to. Everybody wants to see the 50 yard pass, but very often, and this is what I remember, especially like a Tom Brady and a lot of great college football. Uh, quarterbacks like we're going to get five yards and then we're going to run for four and then we're going to get a first down and then we're going to throw 10 more and it's just like that you have practice to use Jeff's uh, analogy you've practiced and practiced and practiced and then when the moment comes what you're doing is actually just going through those motions that you've trained on so I know that's not like a specific story but really to me watching and when, when you watch it you can start to see it right and these, if you've ever seen a great comeback in sports you start to see like oh they made a play and then they made another play and they made another play and they made another play. And there's like this momentum that builds. And I think for me, that's been the comebacks that I've experienced in my life have been number one, like we've been saying, you just keep going. Like I just get out of bed one day. And that was, that was my 1% for the day I got out of bed. And then on day two, I get out of bed and I do one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then pretty soon you feel like, whoa, I'm starting to get a little momentum here. Um, and, and so that's, that's the encouragement. I think that, that sports principle applies in life too. I think the, no, the notion of comeback is to have the focus of mind to do what is good and effective at all times. At all times, uh, it's what's good and effective in a moment when you feel like you're down, right? So it's the same principle. And, and that takes steely resolve, right? It takes something that's like, okay, to Joel's point on sports, well, when you're down three touchdowns, you've got it in your head. You can't be effective anymore. Like you're, you're like, okay, we can't be effective anymore. We're down three touchdowns. It's the third quarter. Um, but what good players do is say, no, I'm still good. And so this next play, I'm going to do what makes me good. And then you do the next play that makes you good. It's just the same approach. It's the same rigor. It's the same analytic. It's the same algorithm. It's the same whatever. It's just that what's, what's happening is you're doing it at a time when like you're questioning yourself. You're, it's a fog of war. You're doubting that's it possible again. And that's what, that's what, you know, leads it to be feel different than it is when you're like up three touchdowns and still trying to do the right thing. When I was in college, you know, again, I, I love reading. I love school. I've always loved it. And, uh, you know, got to college. I was just excited to be away from home. And I liked, you know, the college experience too. But come the end of sophomore year, I realized a bit more about who I am. And I realized I had no clue what I wanted to do in life. I, I knew a little bit about who I was, but I had no clue about the future. And uh, it, it became paralyzing. 
And I realized that I couldn't just keep going through the motions anymore. Um, and I, I needed something new. I didn't know what it was, but I needed something new. And so I left school and I, uh, I didn't make a commitment to come back. I was just like, God, if you got something for me, I guess you'll send me back. But I, I, I got to figure something else out. Um, and so I, I left school and the dorm and all that I knew. And I ended up working in this environmental program. And uh, we were a group of young people that were, <laughs> we were doing all kinds of crazy environmental work. That's not crazy. But for me, it was something totally outside of my comfort zone. We were digging ditches and rerouting streams and working in, um, we were working in, in swamps in Florida. And if anybody knows me, you know, I love a book and I love inside. I, I, I love to be sort of in, you know, enclosed quarters. Um, but that time, and I spent a year doing that with folks from all around the country, um, and everybody was, you know, I guess kind of searching. And outside of my typical schedule, I was able to do a considerably long kind of fasting and praying season. And I knew, all right, God, I'm probably not going to dig ditches forever, but if you don't come meet me somehow, I, I'm really not going to know what to do. And uh, that period of time was the most uncomfortable thing for me. I ended up in, a, in an apartment where I had like four roommates, one guy, Kevin, hey, and then like a bunch of girls. Um, and we were all kind of, you know, doing this, this thing for a year. Um, and, you know, it was in that time, the continual prayer, continual seeking, continual searching that I met God. I met my relationship with God um, in this new way. And I really got a sense of purpose. Again, I started taking inventory more of who I am and what moves me and sort of what gifts and talents I might have. Um, and when I got some clarity about that and really saw that, you know, I'm a builder and I'm passionate about building stuff with God and I'm a creative too. And so I love building creative things with God. I got some clarity about direction and realized, you know, what I loved at the time and where, where I wanted to go. And because I saw that, I was able to go back to school and I was able to finish up and I attended every class from then on out, which had not been the case before. And, uh, and you know, I, I was able to get on, on the path that has actually led me here. So anyway, I'm sharing that because that was, that was my version of a breakdown. And my, you know, I was kind of a black sheep for a while because, you know, who, who, who doesn't go to school and finish in four years? Who doesn't do whatever? But when I met God and God met me, and I met my purpose, I was able to have a comeback. Now that's, an, that's a bit of an extreme. It's not for everybody, but I'm telling you, um, it piggybacks actually off of what you said, John, because I think if you can uh, get a sense of what you can hold on to and uh, kind of know that um, no, you can leave your sort of everyday things that you're used to, but you can sort of hold on to something. And that thing is usually God, at least for, for me. If you can hold on to that core you can leave your sort of normal everyday situation and you can still get to have a comeback. So to all of you out there who feel like after this thing, your life has crashed in, you don't know where to go, uh, you, you might not be able to go back to where you were before and you might need to reinvent, take heart. The same God who was with you before Corona will show you clarity and direction now and you can definitely have a comeback. Wow, that's a beautiful embodiment. And, and look, um, uh, I, I have several parallel experiences in my life, um, for sure, which I tell you about, but 
but you have to buy this book that's coming out in July. <laughs> American Awakening. Big tease. Eight principles to restore the soul of so I, I'd love to tell you, but I don't want to give away the, you know, the it's like spoiler alert and all that. But anyway, um, no, I mean the, the 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 principles you're speaking to, I think I think are ones uh, that that are. Uh, what's wonderful about them is they're intensely personal to you and universal at the same time, and that is awesome. So thank you so much for sharing in that. And uh, I, honestly, I would love to go a lot longer on that. However. We've got some musicians awaiting us in the Nashville area, J.J. Heller, who we're very excited about hearing from. And uh, before that, you've got a key movie clip of the day to share with us, either you or Jeff, on this topic, sort of. Yes. All right. This one doesn't need much introduction just because it's killer. So without further ado, a clip from The Karate Kid. Win or lose, doesn't matter. Fight hard. I have a present for you. You have taught me a very important lesson, Xiao Zhui. Life will knock us down, but we can choose, matter or not, to get back up. So good. There's only one answer, folks. Get back up. Get back up, stand up, show up, all that sort of thing, all right? Um, God's got you. God loves you. He wants to bring you through this. You are made for the challenges. You feel like you're mired in today, um, and, and you've got a, a, a bright future and a happy ending. Ultimately, at the end of all days, that's what happens. Um, and, and we're here to remind you of that. Folks around the world, we love you. Uh, we're, we're here for you. We're here to tell you, get back up. Um, so, all right, we're going to kick it over to Dan Hazeltine and J.J. Heller. Uh, great to have you with us. Great to be here. You know, Karate Kid, what I remember from the 80s is just wondering how many kids were, you know, painting decks or painting fences, sanding decks, mopping cars. Like parents got away with some pretty serious stuff back then. They're like, hey, if you want to learn karate, all you got to do is do your chores. So uh, (laughs) I love that. We have uh, just a great guest again today, JJ Heller and her husband, David. They've been making music together for about 17 years, probably more than that now, really. And they have 10 studio albums out and a Christmas EP they, you know, she's she's really kind of been able to get her music out to a lot of people. JJ has recently launched a new podcast, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it's called Instrumental with JJ Heller. And uh, I think you can just find it uh, wherever you would go to find podcasts. It's just, again, my privilege to introduce and welcome JJ Heller and David to the show. How are you guys doing? Wow. We're, we're feeling very flattered at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, good. <laughs> Um, so I usually like to start by just asking, you know, how are you guys holding up? It's been, you know, this is a crazy time for artists. We all know that, uh, you know, it's been anxiety producing for many. Uh, it's been paralyzing for some. And for others, it's been just an incredible wave of creative energy and inspiration. Uh, what has this season been like for you guys? How are you holding up? Well, I think we're in a really fortunate place where... About two years ago, we started really pulling back from touring and just to be home more with our with our two girls, Lucy and Nora. So in terms of like touring and stuff, we weren't really planning on playing very many shows this year anyway. Um, so that that wasn't too difficult for us. Um, 
And it's been super fun to just be, be able to work on the podcast, which like Dave is kind of obsessed with podcasts. So this is like his dream come true to, to make our own. That, and we, we work out of our home. So like the podcast is produced here. We song right here. Being in quarantine, we have so far tracked three, three different songs, like the vocal takes for those songs that either have released or will release. Those have been tracked in our closet mm-hmm. at home. So Yeah, we, I like pin the lyrics to like my sweaters that are hanging <laughs> in the closet. Uh, we we've managed to to remain very productive and we're we're grateful for high speed internet and uh, and social media to allow us to keep sending our contribution of, of art out into the world. I mean I think though like on a more emotional level it's been a challenge um because our our two girls they're in fifth grade and second grade and so to just be in charge of their education (laughs) from home has been a lot for me and the school that they go to like none of the work has been mandatory or like submitted for grades it's all been like suggested but it's um it's honestly been like a challenge for me because I, I refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist. So everything that I set my my mind to do, I want it to be like top notch. And I'm just not a good teacher. Uh, and so like to be in charge of homeschool on top of all the other things like music stuff and mom stuff and wife stuff and friend stuff. Um, it's just, it's like, it's been a, a challenge because I know that I can't do really well at all of those things. And so it's just been like a daily request from God for grace. Like, um, help me learn how to just be okay with doing my best and like make peace with the fact that like, I can't, I can't do it all really well. And, and that's okay. Yeah. I am curious to know, I, I, one of the things that I recognize from you guys is that you've, you've kind of stepped away from the album making process and you've been doing more of this, like putting out a song every, is it every, the first Friday of every month? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so what has that been like to, to, I mean, that, that changes the way a person thinks about an album. It changes the way they think about writing. What is that? How has that changed for you guys? You want to speak to that, Dave? Yeah, uh, we found ourselves about three years ago. We'd made a Christmas record, and it was a fun process. And uh, and Christmas season was over, and we were looking at our garage, and it was still full of CDs. Uh, and in it, parts of it are still full of CDs. Um, and we, we decided we didn't want to make more CDs, but we wanted to keep making music. And as that year unfolded, uh, one organization asked us to write a theme song for their year, and we wrote that song. And then World Vision approached us and asked us to write uh, or to record a version of This Little Light of Mine for an internal video that they were putting out. But we thought, hey, if we own this song, like it could be used in, in different capacities. But it was kind of the spark that we needed to um, begin walking down that road of just these monthly releases. And uh, as we have been doing that for over three years now, uh, JJ's listenership 
online with the growth of streaming has grown a thousand percent, which is really incredible. (laughs) And so what, what we have decided uh, we as artists are the best at is creating art and not necessarily promoting it. I mean, we try to promote it as much as we can, but uh, we have just committed to creating as often and as frequently as we can and try to make the best thing that we can every month. And if somebody doesn't like it this month, maybe they'll like what we put out next month. And we've learned how to collaborate with great songwriters and producers and graphic designers. And, uh, and so, yeah, we just feel like it's elevated the uh, content that we've been creating over these past few years. Um, would you guys be uh, interested? We would love to hear you play some music today. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for us? Gosh, probably a month ago now, like right when... Things were shutting yeah, down. Yeah, things were shutting down. I was just feeling really overwhelmed by everything. And like, I've had a history with struggling with anxiety. So that's kind of like where my mind goes. I go to like worst case scenario. And so I happened to be watching a church service online that a friend of mine was playing music for. So I tuned in and then I stayed for the message and the message was on the Lord's Prayer. And it was just pointed out that like, you know, before Jesus instructs us how to pray, there's this verse that says that that even before we pray anything that God already knows what we're going to ask him. And I just found that to be so comforting, just this idea that that God already knows, like how all of this is going to unfold, because I think the hardest part about COVID-19 is like all the uncertainty. I, I, like I wish I found myself wishing that there was just a day on the calendar that we could point to and say, we just got to make it to here and then everything's going to be fine. But (laughs) that's not the case. Um, So we just have to like make peace with not knowing ourselves, but trusting that that God does Um, and and that he's going to take care of us. So I... um, I started writing a song right after um, I finished watching that that message, and then um, the next day or so, Dave and I finished it out with another songwriter, and it's called You Already Know. Everything around me seems uncertain, and my weary heart can't take much more surprise I wish there was a point on the horizon something I could see with my own eyes 
JJ, uh, we, we talk a lot about the uh, Lord's Prayer and our daily show, but, um, you know, there, there's a, a special quality of it, and, and it's dailiness, at least for me, and I think uh, no doubt a lot of our teammates. But that uh, take on it is a, is a really uh, special take, um, the, um, you know, the, the, what, the way you frame that and, the, and that song coming out of that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, so I'm curious to know, I wanted you to just take a quick minute and I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your podcast because I feel like it's a great outlet. It's really um, something I think people would be interested in hearing about. So give us a, like a quick, here's what we're doing on the podcast. I want to I wanna talk about Okay, Dave, Dave's so excited <laughs> I, about this. This is like my, my dream come true. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I've been trying to get JJ to have a podcast for several years now. And, um, and the, the problem is that JJ actually is a bit of an introvert and isn't very talkative most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so we had to come up with a concept where we got the guests who come on the show to do most of the talking. And then, uh, JJ can kind of be a part of it by, by proxy. But the, uh, the general concept was kind of inspired by one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films that's called Memento. And, uh, and in that film, the whole premise is that it starts, the very beginning of the film is the end of the timeline. And with every scene, you incrementally work back. You work your way backwards in time. And so the end of the following scene is essentially the beginning of the scene that came before it. And that kind of sounds confusing, but it's it's really amazing. So watch Memento. Yeah, and it's wanna... Christopher Nolan. That's right. So yeah. It has to be Who, confusing. He loves playing with time. So, so he tells the story backwards. Yes. So we were trying to figure out how to uh, how to do that in podcast form. And we came up with the idea of having a guest come on. And they tell their story to us in three acts. They tell us how things began, what happened in the middle, if there, if there was a great peak or a deep valley and where they are now because of those two moments. But then in the edit, we start with where they are now and then we work our way to act two. And every show ends with whatever that inciting incident was, that, that thing that if you remove that from their story, they wouldn't be who they are today. So we, we've called the, the podcast Instrumental. And uh, season one is going to be 14 episodes. And this past Monday we uh, was the opening week of the show. And we released three episodes. So you can hear JJ's story and our friend Mark Schultz and uh, Dan, our mutual friend Mitch Dane, tells his story, which yes. is unbelievable. And uh, we have incredible guests lined up, mostly uh, musicians that we've worked with either in the studio or on the road who are sharing their stories. And we're already working on season two right now, interviewing a, a bunch of people from outside of, of music as well. And I think the whole show is just kind of a, a reminder that every moment matters because you never know which is the moment that's going to change the course of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, and I feel like maybe we're all in one right now. Yeah, yeah And we just don't true. know it yet. Beautiful, especially given our topic today for uh, discussion and, and the idea that we were talking all about comebacks, that, that plays into it so well that you kind of have to have that the darker, challenging experiences in order to create the comebacks. But but it's always hard to go in and be in the middle of. But uh, you, would you guys be interested in playing another song for us? Sure. Yes. When our girls were babies... 
we started to write a whole bunch of lullabies and, uh, and we released that album and just kind of as like a side project, a little bit of an afterthought. And over the years, we started realizing that that was the stop, the, the top streamed album was this like simple album of lullabies. And, and I think after hearing story after story of how God has used these simple songs to bring healing and hope to people, um, we've kind of realized like, oh, I think maybe this is a thing <laughs> that we should focus on. And, and it's been so fun to kind of carve out that, that niche, um, and to, to write a bunch of lullabies. And, and I think the thing that I realized recently about them is they're, they're not just for kids. I think that like, there is still a small child inside all of us that is longing to be reminded that everything's going to be okay, that there's still beauty in the world. And so I think no matter how old we are, I think that sometimes we all could benefit from listening to a lullaby. So uh, this is a song that we wrote with our friend Andy Gullihorn, and uh, it's, it's a kind of benediction over our children. So we'll sing it over everybody today. That's right. Great. Thank you. His face will shine upon you 
even as you sleep. Every day you're changing, sometimes I wish it wasn't true. Hearts are made for giving, I've given mine to you. May you never lose the wonder in your soul. May you always have a blanket for the cold. May the living light inside you be the compass as you go. Beautiful. So good. Thank you so much for giving us the gift of being on the show with us today. It's been great to have you. Um, So I'm going to kick it back now to John uh, back in New England. JJ and Dave, thank you so much. That was so touching, uh, so on point, and so encouraging. You're right. Uh, We uh, are all children someplace inside. Um, And remember, God already knows what your prayers are. We wish you all the best. God bless you, and keep fighting the good fight. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, And you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast Network.